Well, good morning, you guys. Happy Saturday. It's me, Amanda Smith, and Baron with Kicking Cancer Cares. And we want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, of course, uh, Breezy HVAC and Oddmost Pizza. We've heard you guys have really shown them some love, so thank you for that. Continue to keep supporting them, please. That's Breezy HVAC and Oddmost Pizza. Hello, how are you, Baron? Good, good to be back. It is, it is. Beautiful day. Yes, we're into June finally. Maybe the rains will slow down. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of recap on last week. We had a guest in, we Danny. Did have that a was guest. super fun. Did you enjoy visiting with Danny? I did, I did. I like having guests on here. That was kind of interesting. We should do that some more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it'd be interesting that you, we've told James a story. Mm-hmm. And of course, for you to meet James's widow and kind of get her side of it. And then we told. Um, the founder of Juice Plus. Absolutely. So Smokey's story, and of course, that James's passing propelled her to what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. But I found it interesting just in our conversations how intrigued you were yeah. by nutrition, not just on the cancer side. Right, but just in... So I don't I don't know about you, but as I get older, my health is definitely more on my mind. I'm eating better. I'm exercising. I'm Doing, making better choices. Yeah. And so um, hearing about Juice Plus and what it does for you, because I definitely don't get my vegetables and fruits in. <laughs> I think she said it was somewhere. 13 servings. 13, yes, that's a lot. I don't think I could physically eat that many. <laughs> well, and what she didn't touch on, uh, your listeners wouldn't be able to see this, but a serving is the size of your fist. Yeah. So 13 of that size servings of fruits and vegetables. Most Americans are lucky to get one or two servings. Yeah. You know, just our, mm-hmm. our, our diet now anymore is just not really driven by fruits and vegetables. Right. So. Well, and for me personally, I eat a lot of veg- vegetables in the winter, in the fall, and then I get my fruits in the summer. So I never get really both of them. And so hearing a lot about these cancer stories and what they have in common about the health and nutrition and the direction that they take, I, I think Juice Plus is amazing with or without cancer. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see that they have something that's so special like that that you could take to benefit you and help you when you're in a time of need. Well, and like I told you, when I, when I met Danny, you know, knowing what my sister was going through, knowing what she was juicing herself to get those five nutrients, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to get cancer. And so maybe if I can do something to help myself. But in that effort, it really got me better prepared for those Spartan races. And, mm-hmm. and so here I sit three years later and I continue to take those Juice Plus supplements because I don't want to get cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, my um, my friend has – he used Juice Plus for his daughter, actually. Um, and how brilliant to get your kids to eat their fruits and veggies with a little gummy. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, and, and really smart on Juice Plus's part, Daniel really touch on this, but for every paid adult – the kids get their gummies free. Yes. It's like buy one, get one free. That is, yes. And so I get mine and my grandson gets the chewies. That's awesome. That's awesome. And if you've ever tasted them, they do taste kind of like candy. Mm-hmm. So to get I kids, did taste them and they them? actually are really good. Really are. I was surprised. The vegetable one, I was when I went to taste it, I thought it would be a little bit bitter or I don't know. I didn't expect it to taste good. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, you expect to have a kale, broccoli taste to it. Right. And like, it's not. Not at all. I. It was amazing. It was yeah. really good. And, of course, the red ones are the fruit ones, and they're just they're like candy because they've got all the good sugars in them. <laughs> they are really good. I think I ate – I think I had six in one sitting because somebody gave them to me to try, and it was like, okay. Yeah. And then I kept eating them because they were just so good. It was like, oh, my God, this is like a fruit snack. It's <laughs> right, so good. Right. So that's well, I Well, awesome. I was thrilled – to reconnect with Danny, to hear James' story because he and I were friends and worked together years ago. But it was also great that we were able to do something as an organization to help Danny out. Yeah. Because continually I'm running into people 
and I know their situation. I said, you really should call Danny. And so we referred numerous customers to her. Mm -hmm. And if people go to our website, which is kicking-cancer.org, there's actually a tab that says partners. And you can see some of these companies that we're partnering with, and Juice Plus is one of them. Okay, so you can go to the website to get her contact information or more information on her. Right. Okay. Right. And, they, and on the website, it actually has my contact information, so they can they can email me as well. Oh, oh perfect. Um, and, of course, to keep doing what we're doing from our homepage, there's a donate button, and we'd greatly appreciate donations yes, to absolutely. keep Kicking Cancer going as well. Mm-hmm. So. And you guys have newsletters on there as well, too. And you guys have a bunch of stuff on your website. I love it. It is developed out wonderful. It is. It yeah. is. There's there's the videos, the resources tabs or videos of people that have given um, little presentations. Mm-hmm. And if they go to the stories, most of the stories we're telling you are on there. You can actually read the stories from that person's point of view. Right. And then they also normally have their pictures up, too, so you can put a face to the name. Yep. And if you know them, they're blogs. So once you read the story, there's a spot at the bottom. Just submit it, uh, a comment like, you know, I knew James. I did whatever, you know, and, and add your own comments about James because they're active blogs. Okay, that's cool. And you guys have events coming up. Do you have that on your uh, website also? Yep. So from the, uh, I, I think it's a programs tab, but it has an events on there as well. So it has our upcoming golf tournament, which is the end of June. We have a, an awareness. What's that about? Well, we're excited to see you guys there, by the way. Yes, yes, we will be there. <laughs> so annually, we have a charity golf tournament. It's out at McNary Golf Course. It's called Kicking Cancer on the Grass. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did. And uh, we have an amazing, we have hole sponsors all around the course, right? We have an amazing sponsor at the first hole. So if you want to talk to Amanda while you're teeing off, <laughs> <laughs> KSLM sponsored the first hole. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So, But all of our other events are up on there well. We try to keep that updated so you know what's coming up for Kicking Cancer as well. Okay, so definitely check out the website so you guys can get involved and know what's kind of going on with Kicking Cancer. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So what else do you want to talk about today? Me? Well, do you have any shocking information for me? You know, I always try to write you something, yes. right? Right? Well, and it's funny that, you know, you you are really, truly amazing at the whole segues. I got to tell you that. <laughs> so there's a quote in this book that I keep bringing back. It's Chris Beat Cancer, the name of the book. Okay. And people can go to our website under resources. They can see this book there, too, oh, if they want to buy it. Perfect. But um, the quote is from a gentleman named Dr. Andrew Saul. Okay. And he says, good health makes good sense, but doesn't make a lot of dollars. No, it doesn't, does it? No. You and, and I were talking about that before we started the show today, weren't we? We were, we were, because it's like going the nutritional way is cheaper, and it's the healthier way, and it seems like it's the way that everybody, if they didn't go that way, they wish they had, and then that's the route that they choose to go, versus the pharmaceuticals that, yeah, don't does, get me does, started. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought I'd bring a couple of interesting points for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. So the year was eighteen ninety seven. 1897. Which would Did be you say that right? 125 years Holy ago. Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay. So Bayer was already a company back then. All right. Bayer Pharmaceuticals. And the scientists at Bayer, they were trying to figure out how to recreate an extract in uh, willow trees. Okay. Okay. So the bark of a willow tree has a chemical called acetaminophen acid. Okay. And for a long, long time... If you had pain, you literally went and found a willow tree, you took some of the bark, and you sucked on the bark to get that extract out. How crazy. I know. Okay. That's interesting. (laughs) And so that would relieve your pain. All right. It worked. But they thought, how do we take that bark and and recreate it? And they did. It's called aspirin. Oh. 
aspirin. Okay. <laughs> so anyone who reads the active ingredient in aspirin, it's mm-hmm. acetaminophen. Okay. And and they that was the start of the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. So aspirin started it all. 125 years ago. Wow. Now, my question for you is, any guesses on how big that industry is now? The pharmaceutical company, I'm going to say hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions. One trillion dollars a trillion? year. Trillion? That's a lot of zeros. Whoa. How many zeros do <laughs> you know? know? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's like nine. <laughs> wow. So it's, so it's become- One trillion? It's a trillion dollar industry. Okay. By You've definitely figuring out, me. yeah, by figuring out how to take Holy the smokes. the extract of a willow bark, yeah, and making aspirin, we have created a trillion dollar industry. Okay. Jeez, that's a sh- lot of money. You want me to shock you some more? I do. I don't know <laughs> if I can handle more, to be honest. But all right, hit me with it. So, because we figure out how to create so many different drugs for so many different things, mm-hmm. the U.S. is now the most heavily medicated nation in the world. I believe it. Half of Americans take one prescription drug a month. Okay. 21% take three or more a month. That would be me. That would be you. I would be in that position, (laughs) three prescriptions a a month. And 10% take five or more a month. Okay, wow. Americans now take twice as, pay twice as much for prescription drugs on average than any citizen in any other developed nation. That's nuts. That's crazy. And the reason... And when was this written? Can we just... This book? Yeah. This book was written uh, 2012. Okay. So, so it's 10 years old. Okay. So I guarantee you that that we pay a lot more than double than other countries at this point. I would say it's gone up. Yeah, slightly. Probably gone up. Well, and, and the other thing it mentioned here is many prescription drugs have side effects that can cause new problems, which we've talked about in the past, right? Right. With long-term use, creating a vicious cycle in which prescription patients are taking drugs for the side effects of the drugs they're currently taking, and then more drugs for the side effects of those drugs. And it's just a vicious cycle. And that's how we created a trillion dollar industry. Jeez. And that's how we became so heavily medicated. Wow. One specific one they mentioned in here is painkillers. Yeah, that's a big one. So the United States alone, the number of prescriptions written for painkillers nearly tripled from, two, from 1990 to 2010. Whoa. There were 209.5 million painkiller prescriptions written in 2010 alone, which is enough to medicate every single American all day and night for an entire month. That's insane. Um, I, I personally know somebody that fits that statistic um, that was prescribed medication, pain medication, um, almost too much, and then they became to have a problem. And so in that around that same time so that's a real thing yeah that's a large amount of prescriptions yeah to literally give enough for every american they say in the book that's terrifying it's really terrifying that's too bad because it's it creates more problems yeah in all honesty that's what you then you have your the people that are addicted and then they become homeless and it's just a ripple effect yeah this pharmaceutical companies they're they they said in the book that during that time period the number of overdose deaths quadrupled from 1990-2010. We tripled the number of painkillers that were prescribed, but we quadrupled the number of overdose deaths. And this is in 2012, right? That, that, so 2010 was the end or of that. 10, sorry. So 12 years ago. 12 years That's ago. That's insane because you know it's worse. 
How sad. Yeah. There's an amazing video. It's like an hour-long documentary on YouTube. It's called Prescription Thugs. And the guy who does the documentary, his brother was a big-time wrestler. Mm-hmm. And so there's a need for painkillers. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. You're in an industry where you're getting slammed around and, you know. Literally beat up. Literally beat up. <laughs> yeah. So he talks in there about how his brother got started with these painkillers and then he just goes on and on about how many more and more and more and more and more he would take on a daily basis mm-hmm. because one wasn't enough. Right. Now, personally, I've never gotten to that point where I take a painkiller that's not killing the pain anymore. So I take two or I take three or I take four. Mm-hmm. But you said you knew someone. I did. That So that someone that you knew... Did they find that there was a cycle of wanting, needing more? Yes. So what she went through, so she would take medication and then it was, well, that made me feel good. Now I need more. Or that's not covering it anymore because the doctors keep prescribing these medications and they keep giving it to you. And so they make it think it's okay type of situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, it just more is better. Yeah. They push the more is better scenario, I feel like. It is unfortunate. We mentioned this a, a few episodes ago, <clears throat> how we allow pharmaceuticals to advertise. Yes. And that advertising has created some of these problems we're talking about. Yeah. I encourage our listeners to kind of open their eyes to that a little bit when you're watching TV, just seeing. And then the billboards. I mean, everywhere you go, the magazines that you look at, everything. is It's like 50% of it or more is pharmaceutical companies. That's alarming. It is and alarming. You, and you don't really notice it. Until it's been brought to your attention like it was to mine. And it was like, oh, you're you're kind of right. That is really weird, actually. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's everywhere. Well, and since you and I started talking about this during our show, I saw an ad just a few days ago. And it was really geared towards youth who had eczema. And so a lot of kids, they'll get acne, they'll have mm-hmm. skin problems, whatever, right? Yeah. And so they said, here's this topical cream for your eczema. Mm-hmm. So then, only because you and I have been talking about this, I began to listen to the side effects. Right. And one of the side effects was possible death. Holy smokes. So why would I take anything so that my skin isn't quite so bad? Right. With death being an option. Yeah. Holy smokes. And I timed it. It took 45 seconds to tell all of you. All the side effects took 45 seconds. Yeah. Super off topic. I mean, we'll kind of, so I was, I started having like a little rash around my nose, um, gosh, a little over a year ago. And um, my brother who has um, psoriasis, he gave me a few different um, creams and ointments and other things that he uses. And one of them was um, a steroid cream. And he was like, you know, use very little of this, but everything else, it'll help. So I started using these things, and the steroid cream was – it worked amazing, really well. Applied it every night and every morning to, like, under my eyes area because I get eczema really bad under my eyes. And I was running low on it after about nine months of it, and I just continued to use it because it kept it away. And I sent a picture to my brother, and I said, I need this – I need more of this, <laughs> you know. And he was like, oh, my gosh – Please tell me you haven't been using that every day. That was the steroid cream. And I was like, I have. Oh, no. (laughs) And he was like, you can literally go through physical withdrawals from the cream. You have to stop taking it right away. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay. So I quit taking it. And sure enough, my face started flaring up really, really bad where I actually made an appointment with the doctor. And he said, 
yeah, you are on one of the strongest steroid creams and you're putting it on your face, which is thinning your skin. Oh, dear. He said, it's so strong, I might have to wing you off of it for a year. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what do you mean? He's like, let me call my dermatologist. I'll get back to you. I've been on it. So he was like, okay, we're going to take you off of it completely and we're going to put you on an antibiotic for four months. Oh, dear. So I'm on my last two-week stretch of it and I still have the problem. (laughs) So it's kind of frustrating. It's like, yeah, one thing leads to another thing, which leads to another thing. It's a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. And here I am a part of it. Yep. And like Shame the book, it's me. a vicious cycle. It is. It is. We, we, we live for centuries with all these things in our, in our system, right? Whether it be dandelions or willow bark or whatever. And people, the medicine men in the native tribes, and, and they knew how to use that stuff to help with our situations. Mm-hmm. And along comes Bear, and they figure out how to synthetically recreate this painkiller. Right. And now we sit 125 years later with tons of synthetically recreated stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, scary stuff. It is. It is. All right, let's jump into our story here. This is uh, an amazing story on many levels. We just went through Memorial Day. We're coming up on the 4th of July. There's a lot of this story that I think fits in with that that theme of vets. When I first started this organization, it was 2018, and a friend of mine said, if you want to start any business in Salem, we're we're kind of in a weird place with TV. There's Portland, Eugene. And and so he said, go to Greeters. Go to Salem's Greeters. So I started going to Greeters, which is just the Chambers networking group. Right. There was this gentleman, probably in his early 70s, I would guess, and he came representing Disabled Veterans of America. His name is Dave Wentz. And for the longest time, he had come, and, you know, he's kind of a frail guy, but he was healthy. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't showing up. And when he came back, he didn't look well. So you knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. Turned out that he was dealing with cancer. Uh. So I asked if we could help. So we stepped in, did one of our GO teams we've talked about. And I said, I really need to be able to tell people who you are so that we they know why we're helping. Right. Right. So he wrote out his story, and his story is has many amazing layers. I bet. Okay? I bet. <laughs> so if you go back to the 1960s, um, Dave joined the Air Force. Okay. Okay. Uh, and in the 1960s, we're we're just getting into the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So he served his basic train at uh, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. Um, he tested well, and he went on to attend Morris Code Radio Intercept Training. That's cool. Yes. That and, sounds like a really cool title. <laughs> and Morse code is kind of a, a lost art. No it's one like uses the beep, 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 right? Like yeah, the sending yeah. it over. Uh, yeah. All right. And all they right. use that a lot during, you know, during World War II and right. even Korea. So he was he was there to intercept those, those transmissions. Um, once he finished his training, he was sent to Crete, which is a little island. If they know that area of the world, it's near... Italy and Greece. Okay. Uh, and he was assigned a position to travel with some um, embassies and look for covert locations to pick up intelligence. So all that training, he was now trying to pick up intelligence was coming in. Okay. Okay. Uh, and after he'd been doing that for about 18 months, he was ordered to go to Vietnam. He was assigned to the 6,994 Security Squadron in Saigon. And he had to go through some more training. Now, this, this training is crazy. He had to go through water survival. Wow. Yeah. 
Water survival. guy. Yeah. It gets better. Okay. All right. <laughs> he had to go through airborne radio direction finding, escape and evasion. Wow. He's impressive. Prisoner of war survival. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Basic survival in a hostile environment. He's somebody I want in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> Special weapons training, combat, medical intervention, jungle survival, interrogation techniques. That's what he went through for training. It would have been a shorter list if you just went through what he didn't do. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's awesome. So then he gets to Vietnam. He's, a, he's assigned to the Da Nang Air Force Base where his, jo- his job was literally to go find enemies and the North Vietnamese disliked him and his group so much there was a 5,000 bags of rice bounty on his head. Wow, 5,000 bags of rice. So you think about some of these smaller villages in Vietnam? Yeah. Like that would be the whole village for a long time. A hundred percent. Yeah. A very long time. And the 5, North Vietnamese, 5,000, that's 5, a lot. 5,000 bags of rice. Whoa. Dead or alive. Dead or Just alive. Just bring Dave Wentz's head and we'll give you 5,000 bags of rice. Wow. So he wasn't a very popular guy. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> he was assigned to relocation in various Air Force bases throughout Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Uh, and, and so his job, again, was to intercept those transmissions to try to figure out where the enemy was at yeah. so that we could come in. That's got to be hard with Morrison Code. I'd be like, wait, can you back up? I didn't catch <laughs> yeah, that right. last one. Miss those last few beats, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> but this is the part that really uh, I, I want to bring to light here. During his time of combat, he was shot down three times. Whoa, three times? Three times. Okay. So the first time, and I'm going to read this because I don't want to not tell his story correctly. The first time was by a 66-millimeter anti-aircraft gun. I was the only survivor of this shootdown and spent five days evading enemy troops attempting to capture or kill me. Wow. Eventually, I ran into a patrol of Royal Laotian Rangers who uh, arranged for my medical evacuation. Holy smokes. That's got to be terrifying. And he kept going. The only survivor. Only survivor. And then just five days out there, that's... There's his jungle training. Yeah. Right? Jungle survival. That's got to take some serious willpower. And he's probably in his early 20s. Okay. Okay. Wow. So the second time he shot down was when we were approaching a runway... At landing, and the Viet Cong had set up a machine gun test tasked with shooting our aircraft as it was landing. The machine gunner fired and killed the pilot and co-pilot, causing the aircraft wing to catch on the jungle trees, and the aircraft flipped wing over wing, coming to rest approximately five miles from the base. I was wounded and unable to exit the wreckage due to enemy fire. After about three hours... American troops came and rescued me. Three hours is a really long time. Especially when they're shooting at you. A very long time. (laughs) He's in this aircraft that was, you know, tumbled to a crash. And they're firing at him. And after three hours, he was finally rescued. Holy smokes. The third time, he says the third and last time, we were tasked with locating American flight crews that were prisoners of the Vietnamese Army. When I directed the aircraft in for additional targeting information, we were hit by an SA-7, which is a shoulder-mounted anti-aircraft missile. The plane went into an immediate spin and crashed. 
I was again rescued by Laotian Army's forces, evacuated to Da Nang, then to the Philippines, and finally to Japan. After three months, I finally regained consciousness. Wow, after three months? Yeah. So we're really close on time. We are. But I want to make sure people realize that after all that he went through, he came back and, and went through testicular cancer. It moved to his bladder and his stomach. The only way to fight it was really experimental with some stem cell treatments, given three months to live. Wow. And that was in October of 2018? Yes, it's now May of 2022, and I saw him in town. He's still alive. Woohoo! Go, Dave, go. Yes. You wanted me to bring you a happy story, so. I needed that happy, so yeah. thank you for that. Maybe we can touch a little bit more on his story next week yeah. um, and fill in those blanks. But um, before we leave, I just want to give a huge shout out again to our sponsors, Breezy HVAC and Oddmost Pizza. Make sure to show them lots of love, you guys. They, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And we will be back next week. As the, the movement, movement continues. continues.